What should the Rangers expect from Freedon signing and two-time Chicago Blackhawk Eric Gustafson? What does the future hold for Patrick Kane? We discuss this and much more in a special crossover episode with Jack Bushman of Locked On Chicago Blackhawks. You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back, Ranger fans and Blackhawk fans. we got a very special crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by my good friend, Jack Bushman of Locked On Chicago Blackhawks. Jack, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Doing excellent. Offseason's gone pretty well so far for my Chicago Blackhawks. So all smiles on my end. John, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Yeah, you got it. It's good we're linking up again. I know we've done a crossover once or twice in the past and uh, doing great over here. You know, as we were talking right before we hit record here, obviously you get a flurry of, you know, the draft and free agency and development camp. And, uh, you know, things slow down a little bit, but, you know, there's always something to talk about in the NHL. And uh, one of the things for sure that I wanted to discuss with you is the Rangers, of course, this offseason, you know, they don't have a ton of cap space, so they had to play a little bit of money puck and they uh, end up signing someone who you're quite familiar with. And that would be Eric Gustafson uh, spent two different 10 years with the Chicago Blackhawks. It's interesting because he's drafted by the Oilers in 2012 and the Oilers are about the only team in the NHL that he's never played for. You know, he's, he's become quite the journeyman here. Um, But yeah, I mean, what can you tell us about Eric Gustafson? You know, I, I think the general feeling among Ranger fans is that this was a pretty solid signing, you know, given their limited cap space and that he could come in and, you know, be a pretty solid offensive minded defenseman. But the floor is yours, man. What, what can you tell us about Gustafson uh, and all the work that he did with the Blackhawks while he was there? Yeah, Eric Gustafson has had quite an interesting career, as you have kind of outlined, that's led him to many different spots over these last few years, including a second stint with the Chicago Blackhawks. But man, he is such a polarizing player because when he's at his best, and we saw it in a little stint last year when he was a member of the Washington Capitals where he had a hat trick. I mean, uh, I think he had like a 10-game point streak or something along that line. And when he's at his best, he can be uh, a driver of possession in his favor, someone who has gifted offensive instincts, good passer, could be a guy I know you have Adam Fox obviously to be the quarterback of power play one but I think he'd be another good fit potentially on the second power play unit because the name of his game is offense and I think the one thing that I've noticed in particular about Eric Gustafson is you have to play him in the right situations and you see you know he had a short tenure with the Philadelphia Flyers the Calgary Flames the Montreal Canadiens he's bounced around in some spots and I think in particular on a good team is where you can kind of maximize his value, right? Because for the New York Rangers, I'd expect he's going to be a third-pairing defenseman that you're usually going to most use mostly in offensive-minded situations. And when you put him out there with the star power at forward that the Rangers have, I think that's going to put him in a, in a position to succeed. But I thought it was interesting to see that during his stint with the Capitals last year, he averaged 20 minutes per game. I do not think that's a role that you can give Eric Gustafson and expect him to succeed at because defensively he is a liability. That's not the strength of his game, but if you could play him 14, 15 minutes a night and kind of use him in the right spots, offensive faceoffs, uh, like I said, maybe be the quarterback for the second power play unit. There is a lot of upside there and we've seen it with the numbers that he put up last season with Washington and who could forget the 17 goal season that he had with the Chicago Blackhawks a handful of years ago. And that was when he was being the number one guy on the power play and just kind of feeding it to the triangle of Alex to and Patrick Kane. And 
I think if you put him in those roles, he can put up good offensive numbers, but don't get it twisted. He is not, uh, the strength of his game is not in the defensive zone. So if you use him wisely and put him in good spots with good players, I think Eric Gustafson could be a very good value signing for a team like the New York Rangers, who just didn't have a lot of flexibility this offseason. Their hands were a little bit tied. I think they can afford to take a chance on a player like Eric Gustafson on this deal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's kind of how I looked at it. You know, the price was right. And, uh, you know, given uh, that he's probably going to be playing on the third pairing and probably, you know, the sixth defenseman overall, you know, I think it's fine to roll with him. But you mentioned that obviously he's known as an offensive defenseman. That is the strength of his game. Um, is there any reason in your estimation, again, you saw him two different stints with the Blackhawks, uh, four seasons the first time, just one season the most recent time. But is there any reason, you know, other than I guess maybe being a little bit of a defensive liability why he's bounced around the league so much, why he can't seem to find uh, a home anywhere, or is that just kind of the nature of the beast in the NHL and some guys just become journeymen? Yeah, I think it could be a couple of different things, right? Like I mentioned, maybe the right situation for him and putting him in those right spots. Not, not every team has been able to afford that, and that's kind of, kind of why I hinted out better teams or at least better offensive-minded teams that can use him to their strengths. That could be a reason for that. Not every team necessarily has handled him properly I also think there's a confidence thing to be said about it because like like I mentioned earlier we saw him go on that point streak with the Washington Capitals this year and almost feels like when he has it going he's playing at a super high level and has that confidence in his abilities and in his second stint with the Blackhawks it felt like he was a little bit caught in between a lot and unsure of himself and wasn't exactly positive on maybe when to pinch up or just got caught in between on some decisions and maybe wasn't trusting his instincts um, I know that's a little bit cliche of a phrase to say, but I think there could be something to be said about that with a defenseman like Eric Gustafson, who can get it rolling like we saw last season in his favor. So that would be my, my guesses, but I also do think a, a really big part is just putting him in the right spots and giving him those right opportunities. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned obviously uh, kind of his career resurgence that he had while he was playing with the Capitals last season, something that gives me hope. And I think it should make Ranger fans uh, excited as well, as far as how Gustafson's going to do here. Uh, he did that with Pierre Laviolette on the Washington Capitals. And of course, that's who the Rangers uh, hired this offseason. So uh, I get the feeling that Laviolette thought highly of him. Obviously, the GM makes all those moves. But I, I like to think that, you know, Drury at least picked Laviolette's brain a little bit and uh, said, you know, can you work with this guy? Can he be a good fit here? And uh, hopefully, you know, there was a positive answer from Pierre Laviolette. Um, and we also were talking about, you know, the third pair rolling. Uh, I'm wondering when he was at the Blackhawks, was he always in a third pair kind of a role? I mean, I know he played on the power play a little bit, but as far as even strength goes, uh, was it always, you know, um, out there on the third pairing or did he creep into the, the top four from time to time? How did it go uh, in both stints where he was with the Blackhawks? Yeah, so that second stint with the Blackhawks was quite an interesting year. They were kind of... Uh, wasn't anyone really set in stone on the defensive blue line, especially on that left side for the Blackhawks. So there was a lot of mixing and matching. Uh, he did get some opportunities to play up on the top pairing, but never really went in his favor, I would say. And I, I just don't think that's necessarily the role that you want. You just, you have to be careful with the spots you're going to put him in because defensively, like I said, I, I would even go as far to classify Eric Gustafson as an offenseman because that's really what you're signing him for. 
Um, so I, I do think that third third pairing spot is where you essentially want him to be on a really good team. I did mention he played 20 minutes for the Washington Capitals last year, so maybe I'm completely wrong on that. And look, this is kind of how Eric Gustafson's career has gone, right? Just when, just when you think he's absolutely cooked, he goes and puts up 38 points in 60 games for the Capitals. He's capable of having those sporadic moments, and that's what makes him so polarizing is because he has those flashes. I think he more so as a player lies somewhere in the middle probably not the, you know, 40, 50 point defenseman that he's shown he's capable of, um, but also not a seventh, eighth defenseman journeyman that's kind of been passed around. I think he's somewhere in the middle. And that's why I kind of think the Rangers are a good spot for him. And you referenced the connection with Peter Laviolette there. I think that uh, even makes it a, a smarter addition, knowing that you can get a guy who, and I referenced the confidence playing under Peter Laviolette. I mean, put up really good numbers there, had to have some confidence and Peter Laviolette was willing to give him a really big role. So I think there's something to that as well for the New York Rangers in the signing. Yeah, fingers crossed for sure. How about what can you tell him? You know, we're not really all that familiar with him. We haven't really seen, you know, him interact with his teammates or do interviews or a whole anything along those lines. Um, Because obviously he just got to the Rangers. But uh, what can you tell us about him like personality wise? Like is he but is he somebody that's like all business? Does he keep things loose a little bit? Anything that you can uh, kind of remember from his time with the Blackhawks there and, you know, how he fit in with his teammates? Yeah, he's at, he's super loose, super good guy. I mean, he's a Swede. There's no such thing as a bad Swede out there, right? <laughs> but uh, he always seemed very lighthearted, didn't take anything too seriously. Uh, I actually remember there was one incident where uh, Charlie Romeliotis, who's a beat writer for NBC Sports Chicago here for the Blackhawks, uh, and th- there was a thing going on where every time he interviewed Eric Gustafson before a game, he went out and scored a goal. And Gustafson even referenced it in an interview with Charlie. He's like, you need to keep coming around before the games because it's, it's got some good luck on me. So no, he, he's a good dude, likes to keep it light. I think will be a great fit in the locker room. Absolutely. Awesome. So one other question that I have about Gustafson, then I figure we can, you know, move on, talk a little bit about Patrick Kane. I'm sure both fan bases are interested in what the future holds for him and uh, getting some other Ranger and Blackhawk talk as well. But uh, for Gustafson, and you you did mention this briefly a couple minutes ago, uh, what are you thinking when he gets a hat trick for the Caps last season? <laughs> oh my gosh, it was... Uh... <laughs> Quite the sight to be seen on Twitter, considering Blackhawks fans have had a very interesting relationship with Eric Gustafson over the years. Uh, I mentioned that 17-goal season that he had. Man, feels like forever ago. I think it was 2017, 2018. The Blackhawks passed up on an opportunity to potentially trade him for a first-round pick, which sounds ludicrous, but that could have been the receiving end of an Eric Gustafson trade. Uh, They wind up holding off, and it doesn't work in their favor. Uh, They get a third round pick for him from the Calgary Flames. And then little did we know he'd be winding up back with the Chicago Blackhawks as uh, very many did during the Stan Bowman era. He kind of had a weird thing where he just always loved to try and run it back. Um, So yeah, it's been an interesting um, couple of stints here for Eric Gustafson. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we're even in store for a third, the way he's kind of bounced around all over the place. I was just going to say that, man, he's only on a one-year deal this year and we know how he bounces around the league. I mean, I'm at the point I'd be surprised if he doesn't wind back in Chicago, at least for another season <laughs> somewhere along. He's only, what, like 31? So he'll be back there sooner or later. Yeah, be um, careful, John. You're going to give some Blackhawks fans a heart attack out there. Oh, man. <laughs> we don't want that. Uh, we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here, though. Thank you for the intel on uh, Eric Gustafson, somebody that you know, Ranger fans certainly have heard of, but maybe we didn't know a whole lot about. Uh, and, and thank you again for, for doing this, Jack. Uh, in just a second, I uh, definitely want to keep everything rolling here. We want to shift the attention a little bit to Patrick Kane talk a little bit about what might be next for him. Um, I I think it's anybody's guess, but we will get to that in just a second. First, though, uh, we do have to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Chicago Blackhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. 
Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think will hit the first home run all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. And uh, Jack and I just want to thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Chicago Blackhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And so, Jackie, yeah, I figure we might as well uh, shift our attention to Patrick Kane. Obviously, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, salary cap gymnastics and speculation, just general drama last season from uh, getting Patrick Kane from the Blackhawks over to the New York Rangers in that trade. And uh, obviously, you know, mixed results for Kane in New York. He's now a free agent and had the hip surgery and everything. And, you know, I I just want to get your opinion, Jack, because Ranger fans were really divided on Patrick Kane uh, right from the moment that speculation began that he would come to New York uh, right up to current day. So uh, did you have any thoughts on the Kane situation last season? And uh, what was it like for you to see, you know, the Chicago sports icon playing on a different team uh, last year? Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty surreal and it it really didn't, uh, resonate fully almost until I saw him suit up in that first game in a Ranger sweater is, you know, a guy who was basically my childhood hero and the guy who really um, was the forefront of me getting into hockey and me falling in love with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, it it was absolutely crazy. And it, it was a weird feeling though. It almost felt like, well, everyone knew that it was going to happen. The writing had been on the wall and a lot of us had been thinking the New York Rangers were the team it was going to happen with it still felt like leading up to it that it wasn't going to happen, even though I knew deep down and we all did everywhere. It still felt like, man, for, for all these guys have done and for how long the run has been, it just felt like it was, it was really crazy. And like I said, a little bit surreal, but it it was expected at the same time. There was so much talk going up to the year with both he and Jonathan Taves had to become unrestricted free agents for the first time in their careers, the Blackhawks heading, you know, in a different direction it, it was sad to see, but at the end of the day, it was understandable. And I get Kyle Davidson, while he has this offseason gone out and added veterans like Corey Perry and Nick Felino, and there have been some Blackhawks fans saying, well, wait a minute, why didn't we just keep Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane around? We're still adding veteran presence. Right. There, is, there, there is something about wanting a new group of leaders to kind of emerge here with the Blackhawks because there always is going to be that thought about the the golden era, if you will, from 2010 to 2015 under Jonathan Taves' helm and with Patrick Kane doing so much of the heavy lifting. Um, it, it felt like it was kind of the right time for the change in the tides and for a, to usher in a new era of Blackhawks. So it was difficult, but it was expected. Maybe that made it a little bit easier, honestly, just because we had talked about it for so long when it finally happened. It was like, okay, it's not like it was anything shocking as much as it was still groundbreaking news but yeah kind of just an interesting time um obviously it's a a little bit easier of a pill to swallow now knowing that the Blackhawks won the 2023 NHL draft lottery and have selected Connor Bedard that makes it a little bit easier and our our time of grieving wasn't as much as it could have been so yeah it was a crazy time though for sure but I I really did always feel like it, it was the New York Rangers move to make and 
Uh, I was uh, actually going to ask you, like, how did the fan base kind of react to Patrick Kane's tenure and that kind of experiment? Because uh, I've seen some people on Twitter, and uh, listen, I know Twitter is a very volatile place to say the least, but... No, not it, Twitter, it, no way. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like some Rangers fans were maybe not aware that Patrick Kane was dealing with something. And I felt like that was kind of something that maybe didn't get talked about enough, but us Blackhawks fans, at least it had been something that had kind of just been whistling along in the weeds that Patrick Kane was going to need a procedure at some point. And then as we got closer to the deadline, everyone kind of realized it was his hip, but what did everyone kind of, or, or Rangers fans think about the Patrick Kane experiment? Was it a split? Like you said, were there, people uh, upset at Patrick Kane. What was kind of the feeling about that whole thing? Yeah, it's interesting, man. Like we talk about every now and then, you know, I'll mention a, a term that I'll use on here is like polarizing Rangers, you know, ever since the, the start of locked on New York Rangers, there've been a couple of different players that have kind of come and gone over the years where the fan base is really divided. Uh, Jacob Truba is one that I think is a great example of that. Uh, some people love the old school snarl. Other people can understand why we're paying him $8 million a year. I think Ryan Strom when he was here, um, you know, some people were happy with him as the second center. They loved the chemistry that he had with Panarin. Uh, others didn't feel like he had enough of an all-around game. Patrick Kaneman might, you know, top all of them in terms of polarizing Rangers. And as I was just talking about a second ago, it pretty much began before Kane ever even got here. As soon as the speculation kicked up that, you know, Kane might be here, everybody had their mind made up immediately. Either this guy is going to launch us to the Stanley Cup and nobody's going to be able to stop us, or... This guy, we don't want him. He's got the hip injury. You know, he's had some off the ice things, you know, uh, years and years ago. We don't want this guy anywhere near our team. And as is usually the case, Jack, I think the truth kind of lays somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, Kane overall, you, know, you look at the playoff series, he did a lot better than a lot of the Ranger forwards, a lot of Ranger forwards and just players in general underperformed. I want to say Kane ended up with like six points in seven games, something along those lines. Um, and I know he was dealing with the hip uh, issue, we didn't see a whole lot of like Patrick Kane, the guy that like, you know, has won three Stanley Cups and has won all these awards and is probably the best American player ever. You know, certainly he's at least in the conversation for that. Uh, game two against the Devils completely took over the game. It was awesome. And we're thinking like, okay, here we go. Patrick Kane didn't really see it again the rest of the series. So, you know, again, the, the fan base was a little bit divided. Um, I, I do still stand by what I said when, when the trade talks were happening that I think the Rangers did the right thing by making that move. When you have a chance to sign Patrick Kane, hip injury or not, and um, you know salary cap issues or not, uh, I think you have, that's a risk you have to take, especially when you're only giving up a second-round draft pick for him and yeah. what was it, like a, a second and a fourth or something like that. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, again, very, very polarizing Ranger. Um, I, I'm very curious to see what happens next with him. I, I don't know if he's going to be back or not. It was interesting because when the season ended, um, you know, they do the, the interviews, they interview all the players at the end, and, uh, you know, he was talking about the Rangers sort of in the past tense a little bit. And then somebody, you know, the reporters always ask, you know, is there any chance you, you would stick around? And at that point, he kind of brightened up a little bit and was like, yeah, you know, if they want me back, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, at least think about it kind of thing. Um, one thing that was interesting, though, and some people agree with me on this. Other people say I'm seeing something that wasn't there. I don't know that Kane ever really gelled with his Ranger teammates. You know, anytime we saw him on the bench, it seemed like he was just kind of staring into space and. I don't know. I mean, I know him and Panarin are buddies back from their days in Chicago, but I just have this feeling, and granted, we're not behind closed doors. We don't see everything that happens. Something just never quite clicked between him and his new teammates, and maybe part of that is he's been with Chicago forever. You know, it's obviously new and different, and he's so used to being the guy in Chicago. 
I don't know, but it was definitely an interesting tenure. And I'm going to be very curious to see what happens next with Patrick Kane. That is for sure. Yeah, I think we all are. Um, I do wonder if the Rangers, I mean, to be fair, Patrick Kane has always kind of seemed like a, a little bit of a spacey guy on the bench. I don't know. I don't know if that's maybe, um, maybe that's that, it. Yeah, it could be quite honestly, but I also wondered like he was getting bounced around. It felt like at least from an outsider perspective, and this was another question that I wanted to talk about to you as well. It felt like the Rangers could never find what forward lines they wanted to go with. And it felt like he was just, he never found his guys. And really when he was in Chicago, he always had guys, whether it was Artemi Panarin or Nick Schmaltz when he was here for a little bit or Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkit. It always felt like Patrick Kane had those guys and he never really was able to find that, you know, consistency or those consistent line mates ever with the New York Rangers, at least from my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And honestly, Jack, I mean, you hit the the nail on the head there as far as the Rangers being kind of trigger happy last season with their line combinations. Uh, If an adjustment needs to be made from time to time and you want to move this guy up the lineup because he's playing well, you know, these two guys don't seem to be clicking, so let's break them up. I get that, but it felt too many times last year uh, before Kane got here and after that they were just kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck. Uh, You know, Gallant, the first year that he was with the Rangers, he would shift the line combinations occasionally, uh, but you could at least see the logic when he would do it. The second year, I think he kind of lost some fans a little bit with the constant shuffling of the lines. And to your point, yeah, Patrick Kane was just like everybody else. He bounced up and down and all over the lineup. Uh, You know, initially they put him with Panarin, and then I think the, the feeling was they were almost trying a little too hard to force passes to each other. So then they put Kane on the top line with Zibanejad and Kreider. And, you know, again, mixed results for Patrick Kane, regardless of who he was playing with. But, yeah, I think overall uh, there was a little too much line juggling, really with the Rangers as a whole, and certainly with Patrick Kane as well. You'd, you'd want him to get used to you know his new surroundings and let him stay on the same line for at least a game or two, you know, give it a little bit of a chance to gel. Right. And even from a Blackhawks, as I mentioned, Patrick Kane was my childhood childhood idol even from a Blackhawks fan, it was a little disappointing to not see him be that guy that the Rangers fans wanted him to be, because that's the guy that all all I know. And to me, it was pretty clear that he just, even the entire season that he spent with Chicago, he just was not himself was not a hundred percent. And I'm really curious after this, this hip procedure to see if he's going to be able to get back to that level, because we've seen a few players, few notable players in the NHL undergo that same procedure and go on to not even play very many more NHL games. So it's going to make it even more interesting in Patrick Kane's instance. Well, before we move move on to our next topic, I did want to ask you, John, about Patrick Kane's good buddy, Artemi Panarin, of course, uh, was a Blackhawks fan favorite for, or uh, when his, uh, for the time that he spent with this organization, I wanted to get your thoughts on Artemi Panarin's postseason performances, because again, from an outsider, someone who's just been watching the Stanley cup playoffs as a fan, but has knowledge of Artemi Panarin's game and what he's able to do. It just feels like for these last two playoffs now, especially for the price tag and the dollar amount that they're paying him, he just hasn't necessarily been the guy. And it's almost felt like it's been Mika and Chris Kreider being the big guns for the New York Rangers, despite Artemi Panarin being the one that's getting paid the most. Are there frustrations in New York about Breadman's playoff performances? Because even from me over here in Chicago, I'm getting a little pissed at the dude. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, you're not alone. I mean, there's definitely some Ranger fans, and I I include myself in this too, that were certainly disappointed with how he played in the playoffs this last year. And it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, the last two years as a whole for Artemi Panarin. And yes, two years ago in the playoffs, he certainly was not at his best, you know, just indecisive, too many turnovers, trying to force passes that just clearly were not there. But the thing I always would say in Panarin's defense from two years ago 
okay, yeah, all those things are true. He still ended up in 20 playoff games with 16 points and a game seven overtime winner against the Rangers' most despised rival in the Pittsburgh Penguins. So uh, the point that I made was, okay, Artemi Panarin is absolute worse, still gave this team 16 points in 20 games, still had a a huge clutch moment that nobody's ever going to forget, and helped this team get within two wins of the Eastern Conference Final. There's really nothing to salvage from this past postseason performance. Only two points in seven games, and if I'm not mistaken, I know for sure both of those points were in the first game, and I think they were both in the first period of the first game. So for Artemi Panarin to go that long uh, without scoring a goal, without getting an assist, it's stunning. It's stunning that he didn't even luck into one at one time or another. And granted, look, the Rangers as a whole, as a team, they were not good enough. They did not get it done uh, outside of the first two games there. They did not play well enough against the Devils. Devils wanted it more, and there's no excuses for it. But when you're making the kind of money that Artemi Panarin is making— and you come up with as anemic of a performance as he did, uh, yeah, that's going to stand out. And, you know, as far as the reason for it, again, I, I think just kind of overthinking things. You know, we're used to seeing Artemi Panarin be, and I'm sure you know about this too, uh, that that lighthearted, you know, bouncing, fun, I love playing hockey kind of guy, the big leg kick after he scores a goal. Oh, yeah. I, I think at times he tries to almost like, almost be too serious in the playoffs, which at first sounds a little ridiculous because it's the playoffs, you know, and it's go time. Right. But man, you still got to be who you are. You still got to, if you're that guy that just loves playing hockey and is passionate about the game and uh, that's just infectious through the entire team, then you've got to still be that guy uh, come playoff time. And I think there's times where he just overthinks things and just tries to do a little bit too much. Yeah, it's an interesting point there for sure. Hey, maybe he's got to do something different, I think. I mean, you did mention 16 points in 20 games. It's not a bad postseason and did did have an iconic goal like you referenced. I think we still, as a Blackhawks fan who loves Artemi Panarin and Rangers fans, I think you'd want to see him take that next step. For sure. And um, I figure uh, we can, in just a second, Jack, we we can kind of turn the page here. I definitely want to ask you about uh, your reaction to the Blackhawks winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. I had a similar moment like that a few years ago with Alexi Lafreniere, so we can reminisce about that as well. Uh, and we will do that in just a second. All right, so keeping everything rolling with Jack Bushman of Locked on Chicago Blackhawks here. And uh, Jack, as I mentioned just a second ago, uh, the Blackhawks this offseason, draft lottery happens, and there it is. They're going to pick number one overall. And not too much drama as far as uh, which player they were going to select with that pick. Of course, it was going to be Connor Bedard. Uh, your reaction to seeing the Blackhawks win this draft lottery and get somebody who, you know, is, is a generational talent and everything else that everybody's saying about him. Obviously, uh, the future looking bright for Connor Bedard. Yeah, I haven't smiled that hard about a Chicago sports team doing anything in, in quite some time. I mean, it, it was a, an unbelievable feeling, and I reacted like a little schoolgirl. I went running out on my back deck, like screaming in awe that it actually happened because – I know a lot of people and a lot of uh, hosts of Lockdown NHL channels were kind of uh, hitting, um, oh my gosh, what's it, uh, the draft generator, what's the website, Tankathon. They were hitting Tankathon every day and looking at the numbers. And while I was certainly watching and doing my job as a host, I wasn't necessarily randomizing the order as much as other people were because I quite honestly had just come to grips that we weren't going to get him and that we were still going to get a really good player regardless So it was almost like a content position that I was in leading up to it where I didn't expect it to happen, didn't want to get my hopes up too much necessarily, but I knew we were going to come away with a good player. But to actually see it unfold during the draft lottery, yeah, it was something special and a a day that a lot of us Blackhawks fans will hopefully remember for 
for quite a long time because getting the opportunity to take a, a special player and a special person like Connor Bedard first overall, uh, it's going to do massive things to this rebuild. It has a, a buzz around the city of Chicago that we really haven't felt since 2015, 2016, at least for this Blackhawks team. So a lot of excitement for the first time in a while. And excitement has not been a word that has been used around the Chicago Blackhawks franchise for the last few years. So yeah, probably uh, the happiest day in my tenure as host of Lockdown Blackhawks, John. Yeah, it's a game changer, man. When you can get your hands on a, a draft pick like that and, you know, you just have luck on your side and uh, you win the draft lottery and there's your guy. And it's funny listening to you tell that story because it was kind of the same deal a couple of years ago with Alexi Lafreniere. I can remember, you know, that was the year with the, uh, the 2014 playoff tournament because COVID, you know, wreaked havoc yeah. on not just the sports world, but the world in general. And so, you know, we knew that a team that lost in the qualifying round was going to pick number one overall. And there's some Ranger fans saying, Oh, they should just lose. They should just lose. I'm like, dude, like you can't root against your team. First of all, and secondly, even if they do lose, they got a one in eight chance. It's probably not going to happen. Right. And then they lose. And I'm watching the draft lottery. And I, I actually have it recorded on my phone. I, I should probably post it on YouTube or something. But, you know, I'm watching the draft lottery. And, you know, they, they pick the ball out of the machine. And I see the logo. And I see some blue. But I'm not sure. You know, the Leafs are in there. Maybe it's the Leafs. And then finally, uh, they zoom in on it. And I see the Ranger logo. And I, I just went nuts. I mean, it's um, you just have luck on your side. And, and you get somebody that's been labeled a generational talent. And, uh, just just fun times all the way. Yeah, it uh, it almost felt like the first thing that popped in my head, it was like, I don't have words to describe this. This must be what like players feel like when you win the Stanley Cup because uh, I had to wait a little bit to go and record a show because it was just absolute babbling nonsense coming out of my mouth. I couldn't really find the words <laughs> to describe the feeling. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that feeling. And uh, I, I did want to also ask, you know, it's not just Bedard. Blackhawks have been kind of wheeling and dealing here this offseason. Uh, they've been act active in the trade market. They pick up Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, Corey Perry. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, they're, they're a team that is rebuilding. Uh, you bring in some veteran players here. And we touched on this a little bit earlier in, in the episode, but is the idea here with bringing, especially guys like Felino and Perry, you know, uh, grizzled veteran type players, is the idea that they just need a couple of vets in the room uh, for this Blackhawks team going forward? Yeah, I think that's definitely a huge part of it. Having guys that have been part of, you know, very good teams and been there, done that type of guys who have been in good locker rooms and uh, definitely want those guys to be leading this next core of players. Connor Bedard expected to be in the NHL next year. Lucas Reichel, who was a first round pick at forward a few years back uh, for Corey Perry too, kind of interesting. He was with the Montreal Canadiens when Luke Richardson was the assistant coach there. And Luke Richardson spoke very highly about uh, how, Perry aided in the development of two guys like Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. So he had a prior experience seeing how Corey Perry played an impact on some young guys. So uh, even though it made a lot of Blackhawks fans very uneasy, considering Corey Perry has been a, a hated rival of ours for quite some time, uh, it made for a, a very interesting reaction from Blackhawks fans. But I do think, and I, I actually mentioned Corey Perry as someone the Blackhawks could potentially go after had he had hit free agency uh, because of that fit and because they did need, despite, you know, you're a rebuilding team, you want to be giving young guys those ice time, that ice time and those opportunities, you still got to have some rosters in the lineup. And I thought Corey Perry did make a lot of sense despite all that hatred. So uh, two, two very good deals though. Um, obviously, you know, it, it was a little bit interesting of an addition, but two deals that were absolute no brainers for the Blackhawks and getting Corey Perry, they gave up uh, a seventh round pick and for Taylor Hall and Nick Felino, they gave up two 
pending RFA defensemen that probably weren't going to sign here. So, and that's kind of been the nature of a lot of Kyle Davidson's deals. They've just been no brainer wins because of the Blackhawks taking advantage of, you know, being one of the few teams in the NHL that have cap space. And it's made for a very, very positive off season. Yeah, for sure. And going back to Corey Perry for a second, he is like the perfect example of that guy. You can't stand him when your team is playing against him, but once he's on your team, I, I get the feeling you're going to start to like him, Jack. And it's interesting because, um, you know, this offseason, I, I actually mentioned him as a potential target for the Rangers as well. Um, look, he's not the superstar that he once was, but he's evolved his game a little bit. He's found a way to still be an effective player and obviously somebody that can still get under your skin. So, I, and honestly, if it doesn't work out with the Blackhawks, if they're not contending this year, then maybe you flip them at the deadline and get something for him then. I think that could work too. Oh, 100%. That's going to be the idea. And they gave Corey Perry to convince him to sign on and not become an unrestricted free agent like they did with Nick Felino. They gave them one year, $4 million deals. So paying them a pretty penny to sign on with Chicago and both of their stints are likely only going to be 50, 55 games. And the Blackhawks could go and trade them to the contending teams that, you know, they're not going to have their pick, but those are the teams that are expected to make the deal. So they'll still get a chance to contend at the Stanley Cup uh, while also providing what the Blackhawks want in their short stints and they can get more positive assets. It's funny that you said, though, uh, that, that Corey Perry is one of those guys you hate to play against but love to have on your team. Oh, yeah. This was the exact same situation that us Blackhawks fans went with last summer when the Blackhawks brought on Max Domi because he kind of had that same reputa- reputation as, you know, just a thorn in your side, a pest out there. And he was someone I absolutely hated. One of my bottom five, or I guess top five, most hated players in the league. I will never say another bad word about Max Domi. He was an awesome fit here in Chicago, an awesome guy. And I said this on my show a couple of times, have a good feeling. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Corey Perry a little bit differently once his Blackhawks tenure comes to an end, because I have a feeling uh, we're going to be uh, feeling the same way about him as we did about Max Domi. I get the same feeling. And uh, Jack, I, f- I figure we can end with this. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on the Blackhawks rebuild overall. I mean, as we mentioned, they you know did some cherry picking here with the trades and free agency and whatnot. Um, you know, they bring in Ryan Donato too. Um, but you know, they've really stockpiled some draft picks. Uh, I was looking at it earlier today on cap friendly. Uh, the next three years, they have five first round picks, uh, I believe eight second round picks. And in the draft that just happened, they had two first rounders and three second rounders. Um, are you feeling good about this rebuild? Are you feeling good about the draft that they just had? And where are you going to put all these players? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am the most excited about this team that I've been in quite a while, John, because Kyle Davidson, I mean, he deserves all the credit from the day that he took over. He outlined this rebuilding plan. Was it going to be pretty? Was it going to be fun? Absolutely not. And I'll tell you, watching this Blackhawks team this past season made me want to rip my hair out many, many nights, but it's been absolutely worth it because Kyle Davidson has executed his plan perfectly, taking on, you know, bad deals to get draft assets, trading players to get first, second, third round picks. And now that the Blackhawks have checked off arguably the hardest box to check off in a rebuild, which is getting a true generational talent that you kind of need in today's game in order to get over that hump and uh, to be contenders for as long as possible, which is the goal of this rebuild. It's put them in a really good spot. And I think they have arguably now that they have Bedard, arguably the best prospect pool in the entire NHL. And as you just outlined, two first round picks in 2024, two first round picks in 2025, uh, at least two, uh, at least three second round picks in two of the next three years. So they're absolutely loaded on draft picks. They have a ton of cap space. They just took Connor Bedard first overall. The future is absolutely bright for the Blackhawks. I couldn't be more excited about 
the direction that this team is heading in. And yeah, we there might be a, a time where uh, having uh, f- finding a spot for all of these prospects may become an issue, but that's certainly a problem that we'd love to have here in Chicago for sure. Absolutely. And uh, I figure we can call it there, but uh, Jack, listen, man, there's a ton of fun, you know, obviously uh, talking a little Gustafson, a little bit of Patrick Kane and just general Rangers and Blackhawks stuff. And uh, if you're up for another crossover during the season, I'm sure our teams play each other a couple of times, you know, I'm all for it. We can make that happen. Oh, I would absolutely love to. And John, I, I do have a feeling, I don't know how the Rangers fans or how you feel about it. I really do think Patrick Kane wants to go back there and I don't know how many teams are going to be able to finagle him in. I know the Rangers aren't in the best spot financially, but I'll tell you what, I really do think if there's one spot that he'd take a pay cut to go, it would be to the New York Rangers because that always seemed like the destination he wanted to go to an original six team, a big city. I still think the shoe fits. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'm sure there'll be more Patrick Kane discussions when that time comes, and I'd love to join you and do another crossover, John. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, we'll definitely pick it back up. Honestly, I mean, the fact that he was with the Rangers and obviously with the Blackhawks for whatever it was, like 16 years, I mean, we could do a crossover wherever he signs (laughs) and just kind of talk about uh, how he's going to impact that next team. But uh, yeah, again, man, uh, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, yeah, Rangers fans, Blackhawk fans, we will see you guys next time.